You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us. This is John and Tim. I hope everyone's having a good week. Let's get into it. <laughs> Can you hear that? <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. John Scott, Tim Wurzberger. Thanks for joining us on a Friday. It's sunny here in Traverse City, Tim. Sun's coming through my window it's blinding me but uh, we're gonna soldier on thank you for joining us like i said tim how you doing my friend oh i'm doing fine doing fine it's friday so how bad can i be that's true you got any big plans for the weekend do i have big plans no uh no i'm gonna get a new tv so best buy best buy maybe ikea i don't know i don't know i don't know if i have enough time don't go to Ikea for a TV. No, I got to get a stand and a wall mount. Uh, go to, I just spilled coffee furniture. on my shirt. Ah, go to Costco. They got great TVs there. Super cheap. I don't remember. Go, what, what are go, with, go with Spencer Knight. Yeah, are you guys going to be buddies? I don't know. Do you think he meant that or no? <laughs> I think he's a pretty genuine guy. He seemed like he's, you know wise beyond his years he would go for lunch with you if you wanted who knows you could be hanging out with the charlotte checkers by 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 the weekend if you play your cards right he's 20 years old there's 30 year olds on that team you can go and hang out with have you checked their roster no i haven't you'd fit right in imagine going to the games hanging out it'd be fun tim you should do it i'll think about it i'll think about it he says you got your 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 plate is so full. Your social calendar is just jam-packed. Let's see. They don't show the ages of these players. They just show Connor Carrick is older. I know him. Um, let's see. Any names that I know? Owen you're Tippett. Re- it's like you're trying to set me up or something. Oh, he's, he's nice. He's nice. He's, he's your age. Let's see. that. Ooh, that guy's tall. He's six foot two. You <laughs> like tall guys. They got a guy who's six <laughs> foot five from Ottawa, Ontario. He'd be fun to pal around with. All right. Let's, let's get on track here, Tim. We got a lot to talk about today. Speaking of tall guys, the tallest of them all has just broken the most games played of all time record. Zidane Chara has overtaken Chris Jalios. He has just played a 1,652 games. He now holds the most games ever by a defenseman. Big deal. It didn't seem to get much traction on hockey news, hockey media, this and that. I think it's a pretty big deal. That's a lot of games. And that's a lot of longevity, especially for a type of player that he is. Do you, you love Chara. We know you love Chara. You have a tattoo on your shoulder of Zidano wrestling a bear. How happy were you when he finally broke the record? Because this has been a long time coming for him. It's so weird because he was like 33, maybe when they won the cup, like he was old then he was, uh, yeah. he was in the back nine of his career at that point, And that was over a decade ago. That was 2011. And we're like, okay, like Char has still got some juice in the tank for an old guy. Like he's still, he's still an elite player. And here we are. 
11 years later um breaking the record so it's pretty cool yeah i'm a, I'm a chower fan for sure you look at like his his resume it's a six-time all-star which i didn't realize um in the in the oh one or sorry 11 to 20 decade he was voted like second all decade team obviously stanley cup winner he's a norris winner um he is just uh he's a winner he's a he's a leader and yeah, it was pretty cool to see. I, I, I agree. We didn't get much traction on it. You and I have discussed and we kind of said, like, let's wait till it, it happens to bring it up on the show just because no one was really talking about it. And last night he got plenty of attention. All his former teams, the Islanders, the um, the Senators, the the Bruins, obviously, you know, congratulating him. We got a little ceremony, quick one in San Jose last night. Yeah, big deal. Great guy. Uh quite a career i assume he's going to be done after this he's, he doesn't seem like he's got much left anyway he hasn't really the last couple of years but there was a great quote from anders lee who's the captain of the the islanders talking about just how much wisdom he has is like when chara talks he's like he doesn't speak that often he doesn't you know he, he's he's bringing his experience but he's letting the younger guys run the team but when he does speak you want to soak it up like a sponge because there's just so much wisdom in that. So you can tell what he, what he brings to these guys, even at this age. So good for him. No, he's brought a lot. He he's um, taken a potential Stanley cup champion team and really ran it right into the ground. So he's done a good job with the New York Islanders. He just absolutely sunk this team. So that was fun. That was a good job by him. But anyways, that's a, that's a whole nother issue. That's a whole nother story. I'm not going to get into that. He's had a good career. And, and if you look at his stats, he has transitioned his game. He entered the league as a tall, lanky, kind of uncoordinated defenseman. He latched onto an Islanders team when he was 20 years old, which was good for him. The Islanders weren't good at the time. And so that gave him room to grow. They gave him playing time. He didn't put up many points his first four years with the Islanders. He he tried to fight a little bit. He tried to play that role, play physical. His offensive game was nowhere to be found. He, he didn't have a good first pass. He didn't have a good shot. It never got through. He never got up in the rush. He wasn't confident. He basically never went into the offensive zone. If you look at his stats, he got nine points his last year with the Islanders, 11 points the year before, eight points, one point in his first year. He was minus a million every single season. He got a bunch of penalty minutes just because I think he was focused on being a stay-at-home defenseman and playing tough, playing physical. Guys were challenging him. He was stepping up. He was answering. He wasn't getting beat up. He wasn't beating guys up, but he was hanging in there. So he was trying to learn learn the game his first three, four years. I think he really took off when he went to Ottawa. They gave him a little bit more power play time. They gave him a little bit more playing time with maybe high-end players. Ottawa had a good team at the time. The Islanders, they were terrible. They still are, but they were really, really bad when he first went there. The Ottawa team, they had a good team. And that's when he started to flourish. His, His toughness was still there. But then he got some confidence on the offensive then. That's when you saw the points started to pile up. I didn't realize by the time he got to Boston, he was he was getting 50 points a season. And that's outrageous for a guy of his size and stature. Like if you can dial him in for 50 points and you got the physical aspect and you got the toughness and you got the leadership and all of those things, there's not many guys who can do all three of those things, points, toughness, leadership. That's a pretty formidable thing. And then he's lugging, logging almost 30 minutes a night. Like it's, it's amazing that he did all of this. You think of a guy like Scott Niedermeyer who can just float around the ice effortlessly. It, it just looks easy to him. Zidane Lachar was six foot nine, 255 pounds. 
that's a lot of weight to move around. It's it's not easy to move around, especially when the league at this time, 2006, 2007, 2008, it's trending in the opposite direction. Players are getting smaller. They're cracking down on the hooking. You can't do the can opener anymore. The slashing, the holding, the clutching, the grabbing. They're taking that out of his game. And his first few years, that's what coaches taught him. Like, put your stick between his legs, twist them, open them up, and push them down. Hook them, hold them, hack them, slash them. That's how you learn when he entered the league in 97, 98. And then he had to all of a sudden, okay, I can't do that anymore. And he survived. A lot of big defensemen went the way of the dodo because it's it's hard to transition your game if you're a big, strong defenseman who's used to playing this way. All of a sudden, now you can't touch guys. You're going to rely on your footwork and your speed and your positioning and your stick placement. He was able to adapt. He succeeded. He was a Norris Trophy winner. He was an All-Star Trophy winner or All-Star nominee. And he was able to carve out an amazing career. And you look at how he plays. He's not getting out of the lane of a shot. He's getting in the lane. He's breaking bones. He's he's playing hard hockey. So you got to really admire a guy like that. I know I, I had many, many battles with him. Um, maybe there's a slight jealousy. I, I've said it before because I, I entered the league as a defenseman. I wanted to be like Chara. I tried. I don't think I got the opportunity when I entered the league. I was on a really good team when I came into the league in Minnesota. Then I went right to Chicago, and it's like, bang, bang, two really good teams who were competing for Stanley Cups. And it's like, well, sorry, John, you're going to be our 9-10 defenseman, or you can play forward. And I was like, well, I'm going to try to try to get on the ice at least and be forward. So maybe I was a little envious of him because, man, he's still kicking around at 43, 44. He's got had a good career, and good for him. I think it's uh, it's a testimony to his his physical aspects where he really treats his body like a temple. Like he says, I doubt he drinks beer. I doubt he goes out with the boys. He probably just like eating salads, eating like all vegetarian organic stuff. But uh, does he go down Tim as one of the, you know, top 10 defensemen ever of all time. When, when you think, cause Chelios, he does get put in that conversation just because of his longevity. He's won a few Stanley cups. Chelly has, he's been on really good teams when you think of the best defenseman of all time, does Chara even enter that conversation just based on his body of work now playing in the league for 24 years? I think he's in the conversation, but uh, I'd have to really think about that to, to say whether he's a top 10 defenseman of all time. I don't, I probably not. If he is, he's in that eight, nine, 10 spot, but I would think probably not. Um, but when you, like you said, when you consider, well, I don't know. I mean, because, his talent maybe wasn't top 10 all time, but when you add in the size and the leadership, like you just said, that toughness, like no one could do what he was doing with that size. So, gosh, I don't know. I would say probably not, but it's close. It's close. But, like, again, Charlie also is putting up points that Char simply wasn't. You know, he was putting up 60, 70 points a year. Char's best, I think, was 51, and he did it a couple of times. But, you know, it's it's different. It's just a different game. Chelly was putting up 60, 70 points. Yeah, uh, look, I got it in front of me. 87, 88 Canadians, 61. The next year, 73. Next year, lockout. The next year, 64. Blackhawks, 73. Blackhawks, 60. Blackhawks, 72. Yeah, he's got, gosh, how many? 948 career points he had. And you're looking at Chris Chelios. Yes. That's amazing because when I think of a Chris Chelios, and I'm not just some Joe Schmo, I like, I know hockey. I, I've met Chris Chelios. When I think of a Chris Chelios, I think of him as a lockdown, hard-nosed defender who fights sometimes. I don't think of him as a guy who's going to put up 70-plus points. I know he got you know, maybe 30, 40. 70 is a lot of points. 
Like that's you're you're in the conversation for MVP at that point. Like that's that's an amazing number for a defenseman. If you get a point per game as a defenseman, you can just punch your ticket to any any Hall of Fame you want to go. That's a pretty amazing stat. I did not realize that. Wow, Chelios, he's a good hockey player. That being said, it doesn't it doesn't take away what Daniel Chara has done. I think you know, like I said, being a guy who's six foot nine, you have no business being that skilled with the puck. He he developed his game. He's worked on it. And he talked about it re- all the time. How he prepares in the summer. How he bikes up mountains for fun in the morning just to kind of wake up. And so good for him. Happy for him. I think he did ruin the Islanders this year. I, I think he should have retired two years ago. I think he was going for the record, but that's a whole other story. Because he's been bad for two years. He really has been. When you look at his stats, maybe even the last four years, he should have called it quits after his 40, when he was 40 years old. He was exposed in the playoffs with the Bruins a few years back where they really went at him. And I think that's when the writing was on the wall. It's like, you know, Zidano, you've lost a few steps. But hey, what are you going to do? Say la vie. I think once you get to that point and you see that little carrot dangling in front of you, it's like, maybe I can play the most games ever as a defenseman. You tie on and you go back to where it started with the New York Islanders. Good for him. I'm happy for him. Anything I love else the fact, what, 44 years old breaks the record and he gets in a fight last night. Like, that's pretty cool. Do you think that was a planned moment? Do you think he was like, all right, I'm dropping him tonight to put a little exclamation point on this whole thing? Or do you think that it was just a response to something on the ice? Well, I don't think it was planned because who's going to ask Chara to fight these days? It's He's been fighting quite a bit, actually, the last few years. It's surprising, but no, not planned. The Al from San Jose is trying to make a name. They're up two to one. I think Chara and him were jousting in front of the net earlier that game. It, lackluster fight. You know, Chara's he's big, he's old, he's strong, and he just kind of throws a punch and everybody falls down. But it, um, I don't know. Charles fights are never that entertaining. He's just so stinking big and strong. He punches, he throws you around and it's over with. He just like ragdolls everybody he's in a fight with. It doesn't usually end up with like punches connecting to the face. Usually every once in a while, he'll connect with a punch, but most often the guy's too scared to show their face and he punches, punches the back of their head. Then he just throws them to the ice. So you had a funny story about him. Why don't you tell a story about uh, my, one of my good friends, Mike Milbury, <laughs> like one of my closest friends. One of your favorites. Uh, yeah, the story surfaced over the last couple of days talking about Char. So going back to um, Ottawa days and Milbury was help was was he the GM there, or the coach is back in the day. Anyway, uh, late 90s. But he said the first time he met Char, like everyone else, he was taken back by his his frame, his stature, um, obviously the tallest player ever in the, in the game. And Milbury being Milbury is curious, like, hey, I know I know his game. I've talked to his other coaches, but Z like can you fight? Um, and as the story goes, Chara looks back at him like deadpan, you know, just looking straight him in the eyes and goes, yeah, better not to F with me. Um, meaning like, yeah, don't worry about that. I got that. And uh, I don't know. You think that's toughness? What do you think that? I, I would picture you hating the story. I picture you thinking this story is lame. No, I think it's fine. I think it's, I just don't like Mike Milbury. <laughs> I, I really, to this day, he is just the walking definition of a hypocrite. And so I, I don't like him. Whenever I hear this story, he's the way he, I don't know. I guess I'm too close to it where I just really don't like Mike Milbury. He really went out of his way just to, to just try to scuttle my career every chance he could. Anytime he had a chance to talk about the team I was on, he would zero in on me 
and just rip me a new one for however minutes, many minutes he was on air. It's, it's amazing. The passion he had for chirping me. It's, it's, I've never crossed paths with this guy. So I see this and I'm like, gosh, I hate Mike Milbury. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) We've asked him to be on the show. He ghosts us all the time. So it's not like I'm, I'm ducking him. I would love to talk to him and be like, what did I do to you? Why do you not like me so much? What happened? I, I, I don't know. Like when I beat up, uh, Sean Thornton, he like ripped me a new one. When I buried Louis Erickson with a clean hit that somehow was called dangerous, he ripped me a new one. When I was with all these teams, he's just like, well, he has no business being here. Oh, in the all-star game, he's like, well, the Pacific has nine all-stars and one joke. I'm like, Mike, beat it. He's such a, he's just like a loser. I don't like him. Thanks. Of course, he asked Chara if he was tough. What, like, can you fight? What is Chara supposed to say? No. No, I, I I can't. Like it's just and that's when he was with the Islanders. Milbury was the GM with the Islanders. He had okay. a really, really good streak there where we signed a lot of really great contracts. And, and it really worked out well. We started with the Rick DiPietro contract that just scuttled the whole organization. He was just a bad GM. He was a bad hockey player. He was a bad TV analyst. And he's a bad person. <laughs> I don't know. He's probably a great guy, but he won't come on the show. So I'll, I'll never know. All right. It's some strange news moving on from Zidane Ochara. It's not often you get some news from the East coast. You know, usually when you hear about the East coast, it's a goaltender being called up an emergency status. It's a defenseman who's played or a forward. I've been in the East coast, the AHL and the NHL. And I've just, you know, moved on. The Orlando solar bears have made a signing Tim. A yeah. Florida- this yeah, to break it down, Chris, it's a big signing. This story goes back a couple months when it came out, some report that Sean Avery was intending to return to the NHL. Um, and everyone kind of thought it was just some sort of media stunt, some kind of gimmick. And then he didn't really speak to the media too much either. It's not like he was like out jettisoning his, um, his return. But he's 41 years old, and over the this week – he officially signed with the Orlando Solar Bears of the East Coast Hockey League with the long-term intent of making his way back to the NHL. First, there's so much into this story that we're going to get to. First question for you, like when you when you hear this, you're not knowing anything, do you think this is real or some kind of publicity stunt from Avery? Who's not above that? Well, I, th- I think it's a publicity stunt. Like, or he's just unhappy. That, that's the thing you have to look at. Why Why is a 41-year-old man who hasn't played since 2012, I believe, and he he famously went on a talk show and they said, you know, Sean, what's your plans? And he's like, I threw my skates in the Hudson River, so I'm never going to play hockey again. So why is a 41-year-old man who made a lot of money, seemingly successful, you know, has a, a very public lifestyle, still making money, he's wrote a book, he's all over – why is he all of a sudden trying to come back right now? And all signs to me point that he's just not happy. Why else would he do this? You know, I think he is just trying to relive his, his glory days and just go back to something that he knows. And it's like, well, I'm going to try to play hockey again because I was, I was happy when I was 25. Those were good times. And right now I'm not happy. And what hockey is the only thing that makes sense to me. And I think it's sad that he's doing this because it's not going to work out. You honestly think a guy with his track record, both on and off the ice is going to tie on with an NHL team at the age of 41. There's not a chance in the world. He makes the NHL. There's maybe a a slight chance an AHL team would take him on just for the uptick and ticket sales. 
And at that point, he's just being used. He's a commodity. He's he's a put but putting butts in the seat. So I just shake my head. I'm like, what are you doing, man? You're you do you not know that people are laughing at you? They're not laughing with you. You are the butt of the joke right now, Sean Avery. This is not going to go well. Like, I don't know what the end game of this. Like, is he going to play for the Orlando Solar Bears and fight a kid who's 20 years old and he thinks he's going to make the NHL? Like, you're 41. I don't get it. Unless there's some, you know, grand scheme here that we don't know about and, like, he's doing a reality show or he's trying, like, this is some social experiment that he's doing. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I just... I just, I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, I don't get it, Sean. Why? It's funny because I mean, obviously he was a pretty talented player and he was effective in that role, but like he wasn't a skill guy. So there's no way that he just like lights the, the lamp every night and, and forces his way up to the AHL and eventually the NHL by his offensive production. You're like, hey, you know what? He still got it, right? Because he was never that player in the first place. So what is, in his mind, what is he going to do that's going to earn him an AHL or even NHL contract? Like what is... What's the recipe for success there? How do you measure whether or not this has been successful? Well, yeah, he, like like you said, if he does somehow make the NHL, it would be as a third or fourth line agitator, kill penalties, get out there and you know hit guys. There are players who are 22 who still have a ton of legs who are better than Sean Avery who can do that. And they're not going to be a distraction. They're not going to be a sideshow. They're not going to be a circus. Maybe the Arizona Coyotes will find a sign up. <laughs> I was just thinking you know what that. I mean? Or the Seattle Kraken to get some kind of attention. But again, it's not positive attention. Sean Avery does not have a good track record. He, he has said things. He has done things that are inflammatory, that are bad, that are all over the map. And that was back in 2012. You don't think people are going to dig up some of his stuff and be like, well, in 2010, you said this. It's like, it doesn't play now, Sean. It doesn't. So I don't know. I know they're one of, one of my, a guy I ran across with, you know, in, in my Buffalo days, who was always around, he wants him to make the team. What did Matthew Barnaby have to say about the situation, Tim? He's fired up. Yeah. So Barnaby tweeted out um, in response to the Avery thing. It said, if Avery signs in Orlando, I will sign with anyone in that division. You can play me as much as Torch did. So I was doing a little digging. Apparently they have beef that goes back years. Um, Avery made comments about him on chiclets. He called him like uh, an oversized SpongeBob head or something like that. <laughs> it was pretty good. Avery's very good with his words. And anyway, um, yeah, so uh, I forget which team it was, but someone responded to that from the, from the Coast League, and he's like, oh, DM me. So they're, they're talking, and Barnaby said something like, oh, some big news coming this weekend or something. So – who knows? It's been kind of quiet in the last 24 hours since since that all happened. So I, if this was going to happen, I feel like he would not be quiet about it. So maybe it is kind of smoke and mirrors and he's just posturing. But Barnaby wants a chance at him. Do you know any details like why they hate each other? Do you remember like where this all started? No idea. I'm sure Sean Avery said something about Matthew Barnaby or the other way around. They both have massive mouths and they're very good at running them and they have no filter. It doesn't surprise me that these two are, are, you know, villains. They hate each other. But I'll tell you what, if they did get into a fight, Matthew Barnaby would beat the doors off of Sean Avery. Matthew Barnaby does not get the due that he's deserved when it comes to being a fighter. He fought all of the toughest guys in the NHL. He wasn't fighting the middleweights. He wasn't fighting guys his size. He was fighting all the tough guys. You go look at his fight card. He fought all the heavyweights and he hung in there and he did well. 
So if, if Sean Avery thinks he's going to get a pass because Barnaby is just old and maybe out of shape, you always got one fight left in, in you. And, you know, I think if they did tangle, if this does somehow come to fruition, Barnaby would just bury Sean Avery. I truly honestly believe that because I know Barnaby tried to get him to fight in the rough and rowdy yeah. stuff with, with the barstool things and Avery declined and he chirped him that somehow that way, called him like a dummy. He's broke. He's a drunk. I don't know what he called him, but uh, I hope this happens just for, for pure entertainment, but I also don't because they're old men. You're old. Like I'm old now. We have no business playing hockey anymore. We're almost like, I'm almost 40. These guys are over 40. Like, let it go. And then another old guy chimed in. It's just like George LaRock, friend of the show. I was texting with George yesterday, unaware of this whole situation, because I, I was getting numbers from him for um, pound for pound season two. I'm, I'm interviewing some guys that he, he has the information for. And he's tweeting out too. He says, I'm going to make a wish. Can a team in the East Coast sign me for at least one game against Sean Avery, please? LOL. I think out of all three, LaRock probably has the best chance to play. The guy's in peak physical shape. He obviously takes care of himself. I know Sean Avery does too. But I tell you what, if he if he dips his foot in the pool, if I'm Sean Avery, I'm back. I'm getting out of the pool. George LaRock is not a guy you want to tangle with. I don't care how old he is. You do not want to fight that guy. One punch from him could end your career, end your life. Like, he's just a scary guy. Is this good for hockey that these old guys are having this kind of banter, Tim? Or does it distract from where the game's at right now? I, I'm i going back and forth on this. There's a part of me that thinks, oh, this is really funny. You know, it's just cool. We got the, you know, it's like what's old is new again. We saw it at the Super Bowl halftime show with Eminem and Dre. Now we got like Avery Barnaby and LaRock. I feel like it's the mid-90s again. Is this good for hockey? I mean, I would say, yeah, the, like, we're talking about it. Listen, if it's if, if you make it on the drop in the gloves agenda, you, you're doing something right. So I think I think that's a good <laughs> thing. If, um, yeah, it's fun. And I don't know, like the guys, the there's so much attention being put on the the youngsters, the speed, the skill. And those are all good things, too. But it's cool just to bring it back to these other guys and say, hey, you know what? We got beef and let's let's bring it out and. If this actually happens, it would be magical. I just, I just don't think it will. For some reason, either LaRock's not serious or Barnaby won't actually sign or Avery has no one to fight or whatever. Like, I, it won't come to fruition the way that we all hope it does. I would love for it to, but I just don't see it playing out that way. Yeah, see, I, in boxing, I really didn't like it when Mike Tyson fought and Evander Holyfield fought and like all these older guys, when they come back and like, we got one more left in us and they get out there and you just feel sad for these old guys, just punching each other. So I think I would feel the same way, even though they're not as old as like a foreman was, I think he was 50 when he did it. I don't know. I, I hope it doesn't happen. I think it's fun to talk about and banter about it. Yeah. A 40 year old man jumping on the ice and fighting in the East coast. It's one thing if it's in the men's league and you're fired up, it's another thing when it's like you, this is a professional league. You guys should not be here. So I don't know. We'll keep an eye on this. I truly think nothing is going to come of this. Avery's going to sign with skate with the Orlando bears for a little bit. And he's going to realize he can't keep up. And he's going to just call it a day. Cause this whole thing started when he was just skating in California. And he's like, Oh, you know, I feel that's what he says. I feel good. So we'll see. This is like the WWF. It's it's honestly like a scripted 
drama right now. It almost seems like Avery got a hold of Barnaby and said, Hey, I'm going to try to make a comeback. Can you chirp me? Let's get in the press. You know, it'll give us a bump. Maybe we'll get some appearances or we'll do a talk show in Canada and, and we'll, we'll make some money off of it. Doesn't it like, it seems almost scripted a little bit. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, except if they didn't have the history that they do, but again, uh, again, you don't know, this could be, this could all be planned. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. It, uh, you know, and it, part of it does seem a little bit pathetic too. I think you said that it's just like a little bit like, guys, come on, you're, you're old men now. Like, let's, let's move on, go read a book or something. Like, let's, let's, let's get past this. Well, I, there's some, I, I know we could have a very deep conversation about this, about life after hockey and happiness and searching for stuff. And if they're truly are, you know, they're obviously not happy. I think that that's what it boils down to. They're looking for something. There's I am, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get into that. It is what it is. I feel like these guys, this is not a good idea. So don't do it. It is sad. What we should do, Tim, is you do- use DoorDash. Because when you're 41 years old and you want to play professional hockey and you're working out every day, we should call Sean. You need to fuel yourself. You need to get, you know, replace that with some good food. And how can you do that? You can get it delivered right to your door. I want a big fat steak after workout. I'm going to call Outback. Outback's with DoorDash. And we can get you a discount by just using our promo code GlovesDD. In Canada, Gloves DD US in the USA, you know the codes. You've heard me say it a hundred times before, and I'm going to keep saying it because DoorDash is a good company, and I like them, and they like us, and you guys should use them too because food is good, especially if you're working out like Sean Avery is. I don't think Barnaby's working out, but I know Sean is. He's trying to make a comeback, so get it out there. You get 25% off your first order. You get free delivery on DoorDash. Promo code Gloves DD if you're in Canada. If you're Sean and you're in Orlando, use Gloves DD US and get yourself some food. Save yourself some money. Win, win, win. All right, Tim, moving on. What else are we talking about today? Uh, I want to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Something's happening in Ohio that I don't think enough people are paying attention to. We talked about line A. Um, he's on an 11-game point streak. He's got 13 goals during that span. I think eight assists. Like, he's – you hate this term. He's lighting the world on fire. And I think he leads the league in goals during those – during the last, whatever, month – um, but the Blue Jackets as a whole have won four in a row, and they are now knocking on the playoff picture. We we called, you know, we said that the, the Easter playoff picture was done a month ago. It was done in January, and it's not quite over yet. What's happening now, they are 10 points back from the Washington Capitals, who, on whom they have two games in hand. So they played 51, the Caps have played 53. They are only nine points back from the the Boston Bruins, um, it was seven for a little bit, but the Bruins won the late game last night in Seattle. And they played the same amount of games, 51 each. So this is very, more than mathematically possible, it's, it's very possible that we could see this being close down the stretch. Do you see any chance that they overtake one of these teams? Well, it would take a massive collapse by any one of those two teams, the Capitals or the Bruins, for this to happen. What they do have in their favor is they're in the same division and they're going to play each other. I'm guessing two or three or four more times. So if some way Columbus beats Washington, every single game they play them, I would be interested to see their schedule to see how, how often they play each other. If it's going to be a team they catch, it will be the Washington capitals because Washington, listen, I know we bag on them a lot. They're not a very good hockey team. 
And I bag on them because I truly believe that they're not a good hockey team. They have high-end talent. Ovechkin has willed them into a playoff position to this point in the season. They are not good. I don't know how else to say it. And they're having a bad season. Their goaltenders are playing okay, Samsonov. Their defense is just, it's not great. So if there's one team that they can catch, it's going to be the Washington Capitals. We've seen it. Ovechkin starting to slow down. Kuznetsov isn't playing well. Their third and fourth lines are absolutely garbage. Their second line is somewhat decent. They, they're not a good team, Tim. So I don't know. I, I don't see them catching Washington just because it's, it's a lot to make up. They only have 30 games left. They're 10 points behind. Stranger things have happened, but man, that's a lot of room to overcome when you only have 30 games left. It really is. It might not seem like a lot with 10 points, but it, with the overtime, when you're getting an extra point, Washington will get a lot of points that way. I don't know. I think they dug themselves too much of a hole, but they're making it interesting. And Patrick Laine has not so quietly just been playing lights out the last month. I don't know what has happened, what's happened to his game, but 11-game point streak, 13 goals in that span. He's been playing really, really great. Do you see them catching Washington? I don't think they can catch the Bruins. I think the Bruins are... They're out of the picture. I think the Bruins have a good hockey team. Once Marchand is back, they'll, they'll start plugging away again. He was back last night. And then he played great. So do you do you see them catching the Washington Capitals? Any chance there? I hope they at least make it interesting. Um, and I think they've I think historically they've done pretty well against the Capitals. A tough thing with Columbus, they have a tough schedule ahead of them. They're playing in Carolina tonight, they're on a road trip. That's not going to work in their favor. But like you said, it's all going to come down to those those head-to-head matchups. Um, they're going to play the Bruins a couple more times. They're going to play the Caps a couple more times. And those games, essentially, you can count them as a playoff game at this point um, if, if things stay as close as they are right now or even closer. So I, I don't know that they make it there. I hope they at least make it interesting and put some pressure and give us something to talk about. Um, and then on the line, I think, by the way, I was looking at it this morning, even with this crazy point streak. He's got 19 goals total. He doesn't even lead his team in goals. Boone Jenner quietly has 22 goals this year. Um, and he'll finish with with 30 plus, which is pretty cool. Um, so this is a team that I think is just, I don't want to say they're underrated, but maybe they're a little bit better than we realize, which I guess is the definition of underrated. But I don't think they're really to be overlooked. So I think, I hope they at least make it interesting here. Yeah, Boone Jenner is one of these guys who has quietly had a very good NHL career. But no one really talks about him. He came into the to the to the NHL and he really did well his first three, four years, and he kind of leveled off and almost nosedived a little bit. The guy is just a big physical forward who gets up and down the ice. He's 6'2, probably 210, 215. He throws his knuckles around a little bit. He's a good player that you'd want to have on your team. I don't know why more people don't go out and try to get this guy. But yeah, he's he's having a good season. 22 goals, 19 assists, 41 points. When you look at the Columbus's, you know, when you look at their roster. It's pretty balanced. You know, Max Domi quietly having an okay season. When you can put Maxi on the third line, play him versus third and fourth lines of the other team, he's very effective. Their defense, it's it's a nobody's defense. There's nobody you would recognize when you line up. Like Zach Kerensky's day-to-day, he's been in the lineup. Jamie, or what's his name, Jake Bean's been in the lineup. It's Vladislav Gavrikov. Andrew Piquet, Dean Kukin, Boquist. Adam Boquist, Bay Ruthier, and he's- Carlson, like, I know these guys a little bit about them, but it's it's not anybody who's gonna 
you know, put butts in the seats like we were talking about earlier. They're just a well-balanced team. They have good goaltenders who kind of make the easy saves. They don't let in beach balls or any bad goals. And they're just, they're sound defensively. They play the game the right way. I don't know. I would not want to play this team in the playoffs if I was anybody else, just because we know that they're a good, solid hockey team. They're not, you know, overly exciting. Line A is good that he's scoring, but man, I don't think they're going to do it, but it's good that they're, you know, making Washington sweat a little bit. All right. What else? Well, let's talk about Austin Matthews a little bit. First in the league in goals, 77 goals in the last hundred games. He started this season off slow. Everyone was wondering, is it his wrist? Is he ever going to get back to his goaltending touch that he had when he started his career in the last couple of years? The guy's a, the guy's an absolute animal. What do you want to say about Austin Matthews? Like he's just a beast. Yeah, they won again last night. He has 77 goals in his last 100 games, which is just a silly, silly number. And the the two-way play doesn't get talked about as much. You talk, you kind of dumped on him a little bit on his defensive two-way play, but he's a good two-way player and creating turnovers. Um, yeah, and, and so there was a great play last night where it was in Minnesota. There was Minnesota, I forget who it was, Niederreiter maybe, taking it out of his own zone. Matthews gets behind him, lifts his stick, back the other way, over to Nylander. Matthew drives to the net, pass from, from uh, Nylander, goes in the back of the net for Matthews. So, like, it's a great, like, bang-bang play. Create the turnover, turn off defense into offense, fire the goal. So, that's what, that's what his game is. And I think you, you underestimate that part of him. So, I think he's, gosh, is he – where do you place him in like the, the heart MVP conversation? Is he up there? Well, you would have to think though. Anytime you're leading the the league in goal scoring, you're right up there. And I think people are going to start to question Connor McDavid and Dryan Seidel a little bit just because they're not having success. You're not having team success. And I, I think people are gonna start to question if they are really like that. And I know they're good, but at what point? does it translate into team success? So, and not that Austin Matthews had a ton of team success, but at least his team's going to make the playoffs. So I don't know. I I think he'll be in the conversation to me right now. The MVP of the Toronto Maple Leafs is Mitch Marner. I think he's having a great season. He has taken his game to a new level. He makes Austin Austin Matthews, the player that he is. I I think Mitch Marner is the best player in the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. I, I just like the way he's playing. He's, he's facilitating. He's playing strong defensively. He's just really confident with the puck. I really believe that. So maybe these two have figured it out this year. Maybe maybe they're they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Maybe playing with Michael Bunting is a good thing. He's rubbing off him a little bit. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. But Toronto's playing very well. Tavares, not so quietly maybe, is having a really great season as well. Those, those top four guys, Nylander, Marner, Tavares, Matthews, they're all playing really well. And when they're going, they're humming. They're a scary team to play against. I, it could be the year for Toronto, Tim. It could be the year they need to make a couple of little maybe tinkering moves here and there, but boy, oh boy, it, it, it could be the year, especially with, I hate to do this, Muzzin going down, that opens up the cap space a little bit. Muzzin's not, you know, the guy he was three years ago, four years ago when he was at stud defenseman. Yes, he's a good serviceable defenseman, but he makes a lot of money. Maybe that opens the door. Maybe maybe they go out and get a JT Miller. Maybe that would be fun. Throw him on there. Now you got a really, really dangerous third line. That'd be fun. I would. I would like to see that. So no, no. You don't think so? The, what they need is is grit and toughness and defensemen, and they've no. lost their grittiest, toughest defensemen. You know what I mean? Like if you use that money to go shore up a need that you have, it's exactly what Jake Muzzin was. So maybe they can get a better version of that potentially. But 
it's not like getting rid of your toughest defenseman and adding another scoring forward is not going to make this team go on a deeper playoff run. They got Labushkin. Okay. Yeah. So he's he's a good serviceable tough defenseman. He hits, he kills penalties, he blocks shots. You know, he could yeah, slot you, in. You lose Muzzin, you get Labushkin, you're up, you're back where you started, and they're still not going to win a playoff series. Well, I, I I said it last year. If this is the way you're going to go, if you're going to go all in on the offense with the Matthews, the Marners, the Tavares, the Nylanders, this 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 is the, what you want to do. Go out and get another offensive guy. Let's just go for it. This is the type of game that you want to play. Your defenseman, you're not going to bring in one guy and just completely change your defensive corpse. You got Morgan Riley gets up in the play. Rasmus Sandin gets up in the play. Travis Dermott sort of does that. You got TJ Brody. You, you just go for it, man. Run and gun. Let's let's see what we can do. I think Toronto's got a really good team this year. This could be the season that they break through and make the Stanley Cup Finals. I truly, truly believe that. A team that's not going to do it. I, I called it the Edmonton Oilers. They want to be a little winning streak. Oh, we beat Ottawa. Oh, we beat uh, LA and San Jose and Anaheim. That's great. Those teams aren't that great. I said, as soon as you play some teams that are in the playoffs, in the playoffs now, you're going to start losing. And what has happened? They lost to Minnesota. They lost to Tampa Bay. They're going to play Florida and Carolina back-to-back tomorrow night and Sunday in the afternoon. They're going to get blown out both of those games. Next thing you know, they're going to be four in a row L's, and we're right back to square one, and Edmonton is just out of the playoffs again. Because look at the stats now. Look at the standings now, Tim. Edmonton is tied right now for the third spot. You got Anaheim breathing down, or LA breathing down your neck, and Vancouver, not so quietly, has just been stacking up points. They beat Calgary yesterday 7-1. to Ended their 10-game winning streak. This is not over. Edmonton is not guaranteed a spot. They're in the fourth spot right now, just hanging on by a thread. Hanging on by a thread. So I, I, I don't see Edmonton making the playoffs. I really don't. I really don't see Edmonton. In the wild card picture, they have the eighth spot in, in the Western Conference, but they're tied with points with 59 with Dallas and Anaheim. Vancouver's only three behind. Like, this is razor razor thin margin um and but on the flip side they're only two points behind la in the third spot three points behind vegas in the second spot so this is close this is going to be the wild west and it's going to go this can go any number of directions yeah it's going to go edmonton's not going to make the playoffs that's the direction it's going to go i'm telling you right now lock it in edmonton will not make the playoffs there's no way there's absolutely no way they had their bump with the vander kane the new coach came in they had that little bump they're done making moves this team is not going to make any more moves. They can't unless they do some drastic, drastic trade or send down or salary or this or that. They're done. Edmonton will not make the playoffs, and it will be great. Vancouver, I hope, gets in. It'll be fun to see Vancouver in the playoffs. What would be tragic is you don't see those players moving around at the at the deadline, the Connor Garlands or JT Millers, those players, because it would be fun to see those guys being moved. But I would love to see Vancouver make the playoffs, Anaheim make the playoffs, and L.A. and Edmonton gone. Get those young guys, the Zegrises, the Milanos, the Drysdales. Get them some playoff experience. That would be good for Anaheim. But uh, Edmonton's not going to do it. I'm telling you right now, they are not a good hockey team. They're not very good. Let's do a quick power rankings. Who's your top three teams in the league, Tim? Who do you got? Yes. I'm going to go with Florida is my number one. And then right behind them are Colorado. I like Florida just a touch more. And then I'm skipping over some couple teams. My New York Rangers are my number three. And the reason is, I mean, they're a great team. Offense, defense, everything. Shesterkin is having – I saw the stat. I wish I had him in front of me. He's having one of the best seasons in the history of the NHL as a goaltender. When you look at – I think he's a 940 save percentage right now, which is like – 
that's like, I don't know, Jonathan Quick 2012 playoff numbers and a short sample size and everything goes right. That's not something you do over the course of a full season. So the, what he's doing is really, really special. And that's not – there's no reason to think it won't continue. So I can almost put them in one or two, but I'll, I'll put them as number three for now. What about you? Yeah, uh, same three teams, different order. I have Colorado one, I have New York two, and I have Florida three. I think those three teams are the other team to beat. Carolina's right there before I, I can't put them in that spot just yet. I know they're ahead of the Rangers in the standings. The Rangers, I think at the deadline, will make another move. They have some flexibility there. And I think they're getting better as the season goes on. Their last four or five games, they've beaten Florida. They've beaten Boston. They just beat um, Washington. And they've, they've been convincing wins. So they're, they're beating the teams they need to beat. They're playing good hockey. Lafreniere's woken up. Capo Caco needs to you know, get his game going a little bit, but I like the Rangers. And yeah, like you said, Shashirskin's playing really well, but Colorado's my number one. I think they're an absolute juggernaut. They have no weaknesses. And it's scary that I do think they're going to go out and make a splash at the deadline. They have the picks, they have the prospects, they have some cap room, and they will only get more dangerous. So I do think Colorado is the team to beat. It's going to be scary at the deadline what they do because, man, are they so good even right now. Carolina, by the way, I forget the injury, but Jay, uh, Tony D'Angelo is out for at least a month, um, which is tough because not only does he run that power play, he's third in the team total with points. He's got 40 points so far. So I told you. I told you that was a pretty big happen. blow to them. Yeah, it's a pretty big blow. All right. Who do you got on the bottom three? Who's the seller dwellers? <laughs> Gosh. Um, Arizona is not – they're, they're the worst of the worst now. Montreal was close. Um and so I'll put Montreal second, but they're they've won four in a row. That's no joke. That no, is they... holy moly. I didn't even realize that. Um, you know what? Montreal might not be in my bottom three anymore. Arizona for sure, Seattle, and then Buffalo. Buffalo's lost four in a row. I think those are my bottom three. I think Montreal, even though they're 31 out of 32 right now, they are not gonna finish the season that way. So I think Arizona, Seattle, Buffalo are my bottom three. Yeah, Montreal dominated Buffalo last night for nothing. Like it was or two nights ago. It wasn't even close. Like just completely outmatched him. Martin, whatever he's doing, it's working. The boys are having fun. They're putting the pucks in the net. Martin, very good. All right. My bottom team is the New York Islanders. Ooh. I think they're they're just they're terrible. They really are. They're they're not good. They're not going to be good. They're sixth in the division right now, I know, but it's just, it's depressing to watch them. They're old, they're slow, they're not, they're not anything. They're going to continue to free fall down the standings. It would not surprise me to see them in the bottom of the Metropolitan Division, very, very, Metropolitan Division, very, very, very soon. They're the worst. Buffalo's the second worst. Buffalo, they've lost four in a row. They just got shelled by Montreal. They're just a shell of their former self. They're a bad team, and then Arizona's the third. Those three teams have no business, no business is even being a franchise in the NHL. They're bad at this point. Arizona needs to go. They need to go. They need to go somewhere colder. Send them up north to Quebec City. Arizona, that that experiment has failed for decades now. It's never worked in Arizona. So yeah, those are my those are my bottom three. The Islanders, the Sabres, and the Arizona Coyotes. There it is. All right, everybody. That's enough. We're gonna well no. Tim, I didn't want to bring this up. Oh, I'm sorry. So Tim's lock of the week, uh, Minnesota over Ottawa, just blew up in his face. You know, Brady Kachuk, friend of the show, he, I was texting with him. He's like, why is Tim picking against us? I don't understand it. He's like, tell Tim to watch. And they, they went out, they beat Minnesota, and you're just letting 
your fans down, Tim. You have to redeem yourself. You have to bounce back. You got to double down. PointsBet is a beautiful site. It's a great company. It's very simple to use, very simple to navigate. Help these people, Tim, make back their money. It's been a tough week for them. What, what can we do to go into the weekend on a high note? Man, I thought that was a mortal lock, but you know what? I don't lose any sleep over it. That's not the way. You, life moves in only one direction, forward. So right now, the Vegas Golden Knights tonight are playing against the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> okay. If I, if, I don't win this, <laughs> if I don't win this one, you can take over this, John. Um, until tomorrow when I change my mind. But they're minus 270. They should win handily. They should win by at least two goals. I might even take the over here if I were you. But, yeah, Vegas Golden Knights over Arizona. I can't go wrong there, right? I can't. There's a lot of locks you could lock in. Even the Blues over the Sabres. I like the Hurricanes over the Blue Jackets. There's a couple games. The Avalanche over the Jets. I I should just pick them all and make people some money. But, yes, you have to pick this one. Golden Knights over the Coyotes. It's redemption time. Lock it in. Tim Horsberger special. That being said, it's time to go, everybody. I hope you have a good weekend. Get out there. Have some fun. Make a difference. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 